0: Hey there, it's Christy Lee here and welcome to episode number 205 of the People Powered Business Podcast. Great to have you with us today. Hope you're well and having a great week wherever you're joining us from. Now, it's been a hot minute since we've welcomed some new listeners on the podcast, and I do know that we've got a lot of brand new listeners. So I just want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners to the podcast, and thank you for being here and joining us. I really hope you're enjoying the episodes that you are tuning into. You will get new episodes in your podcast feed every single Wednesday morning if you click the follow button wherever you love listening to podcasts. And if you are new to the podcast, I just want to take a moment to thank you and welcome you and to let you know that if you employ staff in your business, you run a small business and have a team and lead people, this is absolutely the right place for you. Each week on the podcast we talk about absolutely anything and everything to do with leading, managing, running, hiring and wrangling a team. So if it's to do with people in your business, you are absolutely in the right place. And for our loyal, regular listeners, thank you so much for your continued support. I know you often mention the podcast to others and um, suggest episodes, and I really do truly, truly appreciate it. So thank you to both our new and our returning listeners. Now, on today's episode of the podcast, we've got a bit of an exciting little thing happening. For those who tuned in to our 200th episode, about five episodes ago now, you might recall hearing me say that this year for the podcast, I am going to do a series of Ask Me Anything episodes. What does that mean? Well, once a month, I'm going to answer a listener's question. So if you're listening, you think, oh, I've got a question. How do I submit my question? I've got some really easy ways that you can do that. So the first way you can do that is by just emailing me at hello at peoplepoweredbusiness.com.au. I will respond to that email personally, and um, you can email in your question. You can also just send me a direct message on socials. That is totally fine as well. Um, you probably get me quicker there. Um, so you can send me a direct message on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, uh, and I'd be happy to answer those uh, questions for you or just collate them for an upcoming episode of the podcast. And the third way is via our free Facebook group, HR Support for Australian Businesses. In that group, I will post every so often just asking who has a question they'd like to submit for the podcast, and that is exactly how today's question was submitted. So every month I'm going to answer one listener question on the podcast and do a bit of a deep dive into that question for you. We've already had some great questions submitted for 2024 actually, so I'm very excited to introduce this monthly episode of the podcast um, because I love answering your questions and being able to help you with exactly what you are stuck with or struggling with at the moment. And what I can guarantee you to be true Is that if you're struggling with it, if you're stuck with it, if you're curious about it, someone else, in fact, probably lots of other people, uh are. absolutely are feeling the same way and maybe just hadn't thought to articulate it or it hadn't popped into front of mind or they've been thinking about it, but were too shy to ask the question. So I can guarantee that your questions are going to help you, obviously. They're also going to help a lot of other people along the way because, you know, we all struggle with the same things. So to, let's get to today's question. Today's question was submitted by the wonderful Kat Matson um, from the Impactful Presenters Program. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, But I really loved Kat's question because I think it is a quandary a lot of us have found ourselves in or maybe you've found yourself in right now as well in this kind of new world of work that we're in when we're growing teams that aren't necessarily sitting in an office space with us or working alongside us every day. And Kat's question is to do with position descriptions. So her exact question is, I'd like to know how to craft position descriptions for virtual team members. I find myself thinking, I know I need help and I know I want them to be virtual. And then she goes down the path of what can a VA do? And then goes down that rabbit hole instead of crafting a position description or set of position descriptions that articulate exactly what what she wants? And I loved this question because I think we all get stuck in that spiral. And I'm going to unpack why in just a moment because I've got a few thoughts on it. But for those who don't know, Kat, Kat runs an awesome program called the Impactful Presenters Program. And she effectively, and she will articulate this far better than me, but she effectively helps people to speak with more impact and influence, whether that be public speaking, whether that be holding team meetings. In fact, we've had Kat as one of our guest presenters in our People Powered HR membership in the past on exactly that topic, and she's been on this podcast before. Um, So she helps you speak with greater impact, however you need to speak. Maybe it's about asking for a promotion at work. Maybe it's about getting your team to listen to you, influencing your team. That's the work that Kat does, and she has a great program that she does that with, and you can certainly check that out, um, the Impactful Presenter's Program. She's got a great podcast as well. So highly recommend if that topic is of interest to go and follow Kat on all the socials and listen to her podcast and, and maybe even have a look at her program. But, Kat, thank you for the question because it is such a great question. And I guess I want to unpack a few things. The first is the problem with the term VA and how it's kind of messed up our thinking in this space a little bit, because I think it has shifted the way we think about this kind of support in our business. And it's led us down a little bit of a garden path. So I want to unpack that a little further. I also want to point out that in today's world of work, virtual and in-person are exactly the same. So, there's actually a lot that we pull from traditional position descriptions here. The nuance I do want to get into a bit more detail about, though, is the difference between a contractor and an employee and an outsourced supplier, because that does change how we might approach a position description. And then I'm going to share with you the principles to crafting effective position descriptions for a virtual team and some really simple strategies that you can map straight across just like they're an in-person team member, which is nice. It's not going to be hard. We're not going to have to start from scratch. So that's great news. So let's firstly start with just having a bit of a chat about the problem with the term VA and how it's maybe played with our mind a little bit when we come to thinking about these virtual roles in our business. Now, if the term VA is new to you, all it means is virtual assistant. And I think typically... We know about the world of VAs from our outsourced VA partners. We've had Christy Smith from Virtual Elves on the podcast before. These are the VAs that are overseas-based, very cost-effective, and lots of businesses have been using them in some capacity for many, many, many years. But we do tend to then circle around what can a VA do, and we seem to have this sort of preconceived concept about the task list that a VA could or couldn't handle, and then we try and shoehorn what we've got around that. And it creates a messy scenario as we're building our teams, which is exactly the situation Kat finds herself in now, that rather than crafting position descriptions and task lists that are ideal for her business, she's trying to wrangle with, well, what could a VA do? And is that going to take half of that away? And, and where does that all sit? So when the term VA was coined, and I don't know how long ago that was, but you know, it's quite some time ago, it was broad. And it's one of those sort of scenarios where a VA could do certain things for you, and I know when I first got my VA in my business, that was certainly a question I asked. Okay, so what is it that you do instead of me saying, "Here are the things I need done, and uh, can you do those?" Um, it was, "What do you do for other clients?" Because I hadn't used a VA; I had I had had up to until that point an in person team. I had a giant office with all the overheads. I had ten people at their desks. You know, I had. meeting rooms. I had the photocopy. I had the kitchen, the bathrooms, all that stuff. So the world of VA virtual assistance was new to me as well. And so I think we've all formed this opinion that a VA can do certain things and we need to mold what we sort of need in and around that. So this has really changed though over time because VAs is a term that's used broadly and I think unfairly because a lot of people that we would call a VA are actually specialists in their field, and it's our problem for not articulating what they do for our teams and what they are and what we need from them, and we're lumping them all into this VA bucket. Um, so I like to reframe this in that a VA isn't just a VA, it's a virtual support person person. In a specific area of our business, and look, this is something I've had to sort of, you know, meander my way around as well. When I, um, I use a particular tech platform in my business, which is quite nuanced, quite unique not unique for the online business world, but it is quite nuanced if you haven't worked in it before. And I knew I needed help with this particular tech platform, right? Because I'm not a tech expert and spending my weekends building out web pages is probably not the highest use of my time. So I went to a company that specialised in outsource support and said, I need a, t- a VA, I called them, that specialises in this tech platform. And I got one. What I hadn't articulated was what specifically I needed this VA to do and I didn't understand the difference between a VA that could do the technical part of building that program and a VA that could do the creative part of making the pages look nice and functional and appealing to the eye. And they're actually two very different people. So rather than going out there looking for someone that we need, we tend to go out when it comes to a VA and and look for a VA and base our decisions on what they say they can do. And that's fraught with danger. So I think the world of VAs is now much more fluid and nuanced and specialized. And, you know, for an example, and I'm going to unpack my team structure for you towards the end so you can see how I work with VAs in my team. My VA, and I'm using uh, speech marks there, is actually an executive virtual assistant. She does the things that any executive assistant might do in a business. She just does them virtually. So I really like that distinction. And she's given herself that title, but it actually really helps frame up, are they the tasks that she's going to be great at? If it was an executive assistant in-house, they would be doing these things. So that's a great way to frame it. So I think... The whole problem is the term VA has given us a little bit of a mind warp and it's confused what we're trying to go to the market for or what we can go to the market for. And I think that firstly just reframing that a VA is not a VA is not a VA, there are all different types of virtual support team members out there, helps to sort of get rid of that, can a VA do this thinking. So that's the first sort of thing I wanted to unpack. Now, secondly, in the world of work that we live in these days, the great news is is that a virtual person and an in-person person are the same person. You approach them exactly the same way. You know, I remember, you know, 15 20 years ago if you had a virtual staff member, firstly it was super rare in most businesses and you treated them very differently. They had a different set of rules, they had a different set of tasks. It was very very different. Today, They're the same. And in my view, if you've got a virtual team and in-person team or only virtual team, you should be treating them the exact same way that you would treat an in-person employee. The task lists are the same, the responsibilities are the same, the reporting and checking in is the same. It really should be the same. And if you've got a hybrid team, it's really important to make sure that it's the same, actually. So there's consistency across your workforce. What I do want to point out though is There is a difference between an employee, a contractor, and an outsourced supplier. And this is where most people get tripped up when they start thinking about virtual team members for their business. Because whether they're virtual or in person, an employee is not the same as a contractor and is not the same as an outsourced supplier. So when we have employees, we have much more control. In fact, we've got complete control, really, of we can be explicit about how when, where, and what work needs to be done, in which order, using which systems, by what time. When we've got an employee, we've got complete control over that. As we start to step outside the employee circle and we go to a contractor, there are different rules. And with a contractor, we ultimately have less control immediately because they are running their own business. So we may have control over the what we need done, the output, because we're engaging them to achieve that outcome, but how they get there, we have far less control over. And I do want to, without getting bogged down into the technical details, point out the fact that in Australia right now, the difference between an employee and a contractor is hotly debated. It will form part of the next range of industrial relations changes. The tax office look at this closely, the ATO look at this closely, and what they call sham contracting is when you're engaging someone as a contractor, but for all intents and purposes, you're treating them like an employee. So just be careful with that line and, and certainly get advice on your particular circumstance to make sure that you don't have a contractor that is for all intents and purposes an employee, or you can have some back payment issues on, on hand. We've actually done a podcast episode with an accounting professional on that. So um, I'll put a link to that in today's show notes for you as well. And then the next. Outside circle beyond that is when you're using an outsourced supplier to do the thing. This is when you're engaging a company, for example. Right now, I'm I'm engaging a graphic design business to do some rebranding for me. That's a company. They have a process. I'm engaging them to complete the project, i.e., new new logo, new branding. Their process, how they do that, the delivery of that, it's on them, and I have no control. And in fact, I don't want control over that. To be honest, it's not my wheelhouse. So think about those three circles. The circle closest in is the employee circle, and that's where you have most control. Beyond that, we've got contractors, and beyond that, we've got outsourced suppliers. When you're thinking about which one of those is right, when you're crafting a PD, for example, think about how much control you want. That's really going to help you. But across all those levels of circles, there is one common theme. You need to be crystal clear about what you need delivered. And a position description for an employee is the best way to create that clarity. But if you're using a contractor, if you're using an outsource supplier, be very crystal clear as well. Okay, let's get into the nuts and bolts of crafting position descriptions for virtual team members. And here is some good news for you. The exact same principles apply as if you are engaging an in-person employee nothing changes. So what do I recommend when it comes to crafting effective position descriptions for virtual staff? The first thing I recommend for you, Kat, and for anyone in this situation is do what I call the clean slate exercise to help you map out the exact roles you need in your business, which roles you want to hold on to, which roles you may need support for. And very often, it's not one person. And again, I'll share my experience in a moment to give you an idea how this might look. Now, to go deeper on the Clean Slate Exercise, episode 22 of the podcast is all about the Clean Slate Exercise, and i walk you through a step-by-step process of how to conduct that. And I'll put a link in today's show notes, or you can just search for episode 22 wherever you're currently listening. Another episode that I would love to um, point you towards is the key elements of position descriptions, which is way back... In episode seven of the podcast. That lists for you the key elements that every position description should have. Top line, it needs to have a title, it needs to have a, um, a like a summary description, it needs to have an explicit list of tasks. You want to have reporting relationships and other important workplace relationships listed in there. If you can craft some KPIs in, key performance indicators, top marks for you. They are great to have in a position description or doing your reviews. You get to choose. Um, You want to have some other things in there like uh, required qualifications or licenses. Uh, But that task list is usually the number one priority and it's where you would start. But episode seven, link in today's show notes or just search for that. And it's going to run you through a more detailed overrun of the key elements of a position description. Now, when it comes to our virtual team, on top of all of that, I think some other elements you want to be clear on are setting boundaries and expectations, because you don't have the opportunity with virtual staff like you do with employees in an in-person environment to catch up with someone and say, hey, did you remember about that? Or don't forget about this or remember that that's not okay." You don't have those opportunities and you don't have visibility. You have visibility over where things are moving in the tracking systems and all those things, but you don't have complete visibility. So being clear on boundaries and expectations is really important. I think the other key when it comes to virtual staff is setting up communication channels and systems from the outset. So I get really clear with my virtual team about how I expect them to communicate with me. If there's regular check-in points that I need, I'm really clear on that as well. And I use systems to communicate with my team so that we've got a place of common sort of contact and communication. And the third thing I recommend as well is building in the check-ins because they don't happen organically and casually like they would in the office. When you see someone making a cup of coffee in the kitchen and you have a little catch-up with them those opportunities are lost with a virtual team so i build those in as well and they're really they're the only additional things that i do when it comes to virtual team outside of the other core elements of a a position description so i would definitely map out your ideal team via the clean slate exercise that exercise as well will help you identify which role next really important Um, I probably want to overlay with that because I'm having a conversation with our People Powered HR members this month about uh, Dan Martell's book, Buy Back Your Time. I'll be looking at which role you going to buy back your time quickest. I would then go through the elements of a position description from episode seven. And then I'd layer in those communication channels and the boundary setting and expectation setting and build the check-ins as well. So, I thought I'd sort of lift the lid and share what this looks like in my team at the moment because I engage a range of virtual support staff or well, contractors in some cases, and I've got a direct employee. And I've had different models, obviously, in my business over the years. So, I've had the situation, like I shared earlier, where I had offices. In fact, it's kind of ironic when I first started my business. I was determined that I was never, ever going to work at home because, you know, a serious business would not be run from home. So funny. And um, so I had leased offices the day I opened my business, which was a week after I quit my job. So I've always had the thought of office spaces. I had my first staff member within about four weeks of starting my business. And, you know, pretty rapidly, I had a team of around 10 staff, consultants and support staff. And we were in office, you know, we'd go to client sites, but we were in office. So I've had that team as well. And I've certainly also had hybrid teams. And right now my team is virtual. And for me, that absolutely works for my business model right now. So what I have is I have three external contractors. Now, yes, they are called VAs, well, two are called VAs, but they have very specific roles based on the business needs and their individual skill set. So I have the person I mentioned earlier who is my executive virtual assistant. She's been with me a number of years and she is the organiser and the implementer. She's also great with event coordination. So any of my online events, she's involved in organising and coordinating those. Now, it didn't start there. It started with her doing some more basic tasks, but um, over the years, I've lent into her skill set and also uh, realised where I was Delivering in my business that was not the best use of my time and handed that over to her. Now we have another, again, she would call herself a VA, but her skill set and what I've engaged her to do is very much in documentation and policy creation and editing. She's very detail orientated and um, really understands that world. And so her role is very specific. She's our documentation VA. I then have an outsourced copywriter who is a contractor. And she's engaged to write copy. There's very clear expectations around what each of these people are responsible for. And then I have an employee who is a junior admin assistant, and she does a whole range of things. And I've got a lot more flexibility and control with her, right? Because she's a casual. She can say yes or no to hours. But aside from that, she does whatever tasks I give her to do. And I like having that person as an employee because it means each week things can change and that's not a problem. It means that we can add or shift up or shift down what she's doing. And I've got a lot more control over what, when, how she's doing things. And that is a, they're all virtual. So employee and contractors are virtual. We get together about once a quarter for like a team meeting where we share what's going on, get to know each other a little bit more, make sure the team's all connected. And we also work um, on a particular project management tool where we all have access so we can see where the flow of projects, who's doing what, who's responsible, what stage a project's at. So we use systems to really keep on top of things, to keep visibility and to keep accountability. And that works. But I know lots of other businesses with hybrid teams who have an in-person team and a hybrid team responsible for different things, but consistently they will bring those teams together in an online forum usually so that there is continuity around communication in the team expectations, understanding about what people are doing and where projects are flowing. So I guess the key is when you're crafting position descriptions for virtual team members, follow the exact same process as you do for your in-person team. Use the same format, use the same structure, but do understand that If you're engaging a contractor virtually, that is very different to engaging an employee. And you can't give a contractor a complete position description. You can give them a project scope and a remit, but not a position description. And obviously, if you're using an outsource provider, that's different again. But follow the same process. Consider VAs as specialist support people in your business and engage the right people to do those specialised jobs and you'll find you have a greater mix of the right skill set, the right people moving in the right direction, and it's going to be better for you and your time as well. So, Kat, thank you for your question. I hope that answer has been helpful for you and everyone else that finds themselves in this situation. And just like Kat, if you'd like to connect with other business owners, leading teams and managing people come and join us in our facebook group hr support for australian businesses the link is in today's show notes wherever you're listening to this episode all right that is a wrap for today's episode thank you so much for joining me and i'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of the podcast